Hello and welcome to another fine podcast, uh, broadcasting right here from Skyline Columbus out of beautiful Columbus, Georgia. My name is Todd Sheldon. I'm here with you today to talk about something that, uh, as far as getting started in flight training, you also got to know how to stay current. So we're going to talk today about something called the flight review. Now, the flight review is something that a, a certificated pilot, once you become certificated, as we talked about earlier in another presentation, we don't get licensed. We're not licensed pilot. We're certificated pilots. And once we become certificated, we must be able to show currency at least a minimum of every 24 months, okay? And we call this the flight review. Now, recently we discussed the flight review at one of our free seminars, which are held every other Thursday at uh, Skyline Columbus, so if you missed the last one, which was last Thursday, uh, don't miss the next one, which is going to be on uh, August the 11th, I think it is. You can check the front page of our Skyline Columbus website, and it'll have all the data on the next broadcast. So what exactly is the flight review, and how does it relate to you? Well, the flight review was intended to be an industry-managed, FAA-monitored currency program, it is not a test or a flight check, so you certificated pilots who have been flying for a while, who are getting ready to go do your flight review, just remember, you don't need to be nervous because it's not a flight test or a flight check. It's an instructional program designed to assess a pilot's knowledge and skills. Now, of course, uh, normally the person who does this in, within the industry is the flight instructor. So if you've done your flight your flight review before, you may want to try to do it with another flight instructor to kind of gain another sense of how things work within the industry or how different CFIs can be within the industry. So if we take our federal aviation regulations, our FARs, and we turn to section 61, we see that in 6156 paragraph C, it states that no pilot may act as pilot in command of an aircraft unless since the beginning of the 24th calendar month before the month in which that pilot acts as a pilot in command, that person has accomplished a flight review in an aircraft for which that pilot is already rated by an appropriately rated instructor. And a logbook endorsement by the person who gave the review certifying that a person has satisfactorily completed the review. So you have to have a logbook endorsement to say that you completed the review. Now, objective, uh, the objective is to ensure that pilots have the opportunity to ride with a flight instructor of their own choice for an appraisal of their pilot proficiency and to seek assistance or guidance if any deficiency is identified. There are other ways to comply with this regulation now, so don't think that you actually have to go fly with a flight instructor. You have to wait like every uh, 24 months. That is the time frame, 24 months. Used to be called the biennial flight review, now called just the flight review, but it's done every a minimum every 24 months. Uh, there's other ways to comply, and that is that you complete a pilot proficiency check conducted by the FAA, a check airman, or a United States Armed, Force, uh, Armed Forces uh, uh, check airman for a pilot certificate rating or operating privilege. Uh, another way, which is a really a great way to complete it, is to complete one or more phases of the Pilot Proficiency Award Program, which we know it as the WINGS program. 
Um, as you may know, if you're already a, a renter here at Skyline Columbus, we are the only flight school in the state of Georgia that does require wings participation in order to continue for you to be a renter here. So we give you a little leeway. We give you a couple of months to sign up for the program. But after uh, six months, you have to become a, uh, a, a sign up and, and a, uh, participate in the wings program. And the reason for it is because it only helps for you to be a better pilot. Now, the flight review consists of a minimum of one hour of flight instruction and one hour of ground instruction and must include a review of the current general operating and flight rules of Part 91 of the FARs, the Federal Aviation Regulations, and a review of those maneuvers and procedures which, at the discretion of the person given the review, are necessary for the pilot to demonstrate the safe exercise of the pilot certificate. So it's kind of open-ended. The flight instructor can do whatever that he or she deems necessary, and the minimum is only one hour of flight instruction and one hour of ground. Now think about this. Legally, can a person get in an airplane and fly once and then wait 23 months and 29 days and still be legal if he never gets in the airplane again? Yes, he can, absolutely, and just really just needs to go get one hour of flight instruction and one hour of ground instruction and then be legal for a whole entire 24 month. I hope that you will really agree with me and understand that this is probably not the safest way to continue to get your continuing education as a pilot. So we hope that you participate in the WINGS program so that way you can see that there is uh, better ways to be able to renew your pilot certificate every 24 months. Now, there are a lot of exceptions in this. We really want to stick just with airplanes. But, for instance, glider pilots uh, doesn't really have to, they don't have to really stick to this rule. They can substitute a, uh, their th the, uh, a minimum of three instructional flights, including a, uh, each including a 360-degree turn, in lieu of the one hour of flight instruction, which if you kind of look at the way the WINGS program works, that's really how the way that works too. They want you to do a couple of flights in between that 24-hour month period so you stay current and you don't fall by the wayside. You may also accomplish the flight review requirements in combination with the recent flight experience requirements as at discretion of the instructor conducting the review. Okay? So remember that. So, what must be done in a flight review? We know it's one hour of ground, one hour of flight, but what must be done? Well, let's actually talk about how you should pick the person to do it. So before beginning the review, the instructor should interview the pilot to determine the nature of his or her flying and operating requirements to include certain things, such as the type of equipment often uh, flown. Are they flying lighter than air? Are they flying fixed wing? Or they can fly in a, a complex of the flight environment. You know, are they flying in Class Bravo a lot? Are they flying in Class Echo a lot? Possibly more than one category of class. Are they uh, flying in a multi-engine, single-engine? Are they flying in a jet? So how exactly can the uh, flight instructor help them to be able to, to tailor that more to them? Some other things to consider is the nature of the flight operations. Is someone specifically doing sport pilot operations or passenger-type operations? Uh, again, we talked about flying in class Bravo airspace, very, very important. Uh, special endorsement for student pilots, and really, uh, I strongly recommend before anybody flies into class Bravo, 
uh, especially an airport that lies within the class Bravo, that they get special instruction from an instructor to ensure they don't uh, have any problems or break any regulations as they fly into that airspace. Uh, the amount and currency of flight experience is a very big one. I like to look to review the logbook for their total time and their last flight. If their last flight was um, was five years ago, I thinking I'm thinking personally they're probably going to need a little bit more than one hour of flight review and one hour of ground review. Uh, that's just me, and I'm thinking that they probably need it. But their type of flight experience is probably going to be the biggest one. Are they a recreational flyer, and how long has it been since they've flown? That's the two things that I like to look at a lot as I'm conducting my flight reviews. Now, if, the, if your flight instructor is on the ball, then he or she will kind of give you like an agreement on conduct of the review. They really want you to reach an understanding of how the review will be conducted prior to the flight review. Suggest reading materials uh, for study uh, prior to the review is, a, is an excellent idea. What equipment is required for review? The criteria for satisfactory completion of the review. You want to be able to know beforehand, what are the expectations of the flight instructor? What are they wanting you to do? Don't wait till you get inside the airplane or on the ground and end up uh, being surprised about what's going to happen. You may also want to look at your instructor qualifications to make sure that they are really uh, current or have even flown your airplane. If you're an airplane owner and you own a uh, an airplane that not a lot of people fly, uh, for instance, uh, one of my customers here on the field in Columbus, he flies a, a Columbia 400. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have a lot of time in the Columbia 400 I'm not a Columbia certificated or certified flight instructor. I haven't been to school on the Columbia, but I like to ride with them in the airplane, and I like to give dual instruction on certain systems in the airplane. But I wouldn't feel confident acting as pilot in command of the airplane because I simply just don't have enough hours in that airplane. Now, if you put me in other airplanes like a Cessna or I uh, fly a Cessna 340 for a small construction company locally, uh, I would be uh, more than happy to give dual instruction in those airplanes in which I feel comfortable in. So make sure that your aircraft, your, I mean, excuse me, your instructor qualifications are going to uh, merit uh, to, for you to be able to get something out of the flight review. You don't, you don't want to have to teach your instructor about your plane as you start your flight review. Now, remember that the instructor must also have the category and class rating of which the that you want to do too. So if you own a, a multi-engine airplane like a Baron or a Seneca, you can't have a flight instructor that doesn't have a multi-engine instructor certificate to be able to give you your flight review. Um, so remember, according to 61195B, it states that that CFI must hold a multi-engine uh, on pilot and instructor certificates in that airplane, not just on their pilot certificates. Now, also, I really think that the instructor should prepare a plan for completing the review, which is, uh, should include a list of regulatory subjects to be covered prior to the review, uh, maneuvers, procedures to be accomplished. What I really like to do on my flight reviews, I ask the, uh, the applicant, or I say the applicant, I should ask the person uh, that's requesting the flight review, I ask them to give me five things they want to talk about in ground and five things they want to talk about in flight or, or do in flight. And I think that's probably, to me, I like that way best because it gives me a chance to understand what the, what the, uh, the uh, person asking for the flight review, what they think they're weak in. And that, that's a very strong thing. They get to self-review themselves, self-analyze themselves, and so I can see exactly what they think they're weak in. Uh, anticipate a sequence 
in which the segments will occur, you know, uh, you know, if we're going to do the ground first, uh, we, preferably you want to do the ground first and then the flight first. So you can kind of talk about what you're going to do in the flight. But you want to get see what the segment, how you're going to, uh, how the flight review will actually work out, a training course outline, if you will. And, of course, that's laid out with your sample plan, uh, of which uh, the instructor should retain this as a, as a uh, scope and content of the review. That way, if you ever do a review with them again, he can go back, uh, can go back and look at your last review that they did and can actually say, look, you did this uh, here, and maybe we should do this here. And once you get used to one instructor, you can really build a lot of good rapport as long as you don't wait every 24 months to come see them. Take advantage of that FAA Wings program. I think you'll like it. Uh, so let's talk about uh, the next thing I will talk about is what will be done within the flight review. Not exactly how's it going to go. What do you do within the flight review? Well, the ground portion is just a tailored review of the uh, general operating flight rules. Uh, flight rules, not fright. <laughs> That's, we know no fright rules, just flight rules uh, of FAR Part 91 subparts A and B. Now, the first part of FAR Part 91, if you turn with me and look in the first part of Part 91, it's broken down into subparts. And A, B, C, and E are probably very, very, I think they're the most important part of Part 91 to a general operator, the GA pilot in a small airplane. These, is, these are the ones that's really, really that you're going to need uh, to take part in and also become aware of. So the um, Part 91 subparts A and B, uh, visual flight rules of subpart B, the equipment, instrument, and certification requirements of subpart C, and the maintenance, preventative maintenance, and alterations of subpart E or ECHO. We want to be very familiar with those. Also, you want to be familiar with the AIM, the Airman's Information Manual. Actually, Airman's Information Manual, I'm showing my age here. It's actually called the Aeronautical Information Manual now. The Aeronautical Information, usually found in the same book, as the FARs. Sometimes if you buy an ASA or other name brand, these two books are located within the same book. If you own your own airplane, you also want to go over, and you know what, even if you rent, you want to go over the aircraft's operating handbook, the pilot's operating handbook, airplane flight manual, whichever one that you have, and go over the limitations, the airspeeds for safe operation, the systems operation, and emergency procedures. Emergency procedures are so neglected with the everyday pilot. Uh, what, what I actually really tell people all the time that own their own airplane, I say, look, every time you go flying, will you please promise me that you're going to, if it's a cross-country flight and you have time, practice one emergency maneuver per flight. Okay? You won't go bad. It's not something that's going to haunt you if you do it. It's going to haunt you if you don't do it, okay? You want to make sure you're familiar with this airplane inside and out. We cannot pull over to the curb. This is very important that we understand this. And then you also want to review the aircraft logbooks and maintenance records. I've flown with aircraft owners who have not seen their logbooks in seven to eight years before their flight review and didn't know that some major endorsements were not even in their logbooks and the, that the aircraft we were about to fly was not even current. It was not even a legal airplane. And we had to actually get some um, inspections on the airplane prior to it. So if you're an aircraft owner, make sure you look at your aircraft logbooks and the maintenance records. It's imperative that you be familiar with these items as much as possible. Another portion of which I find people very uh, inefficient is, is the weight and balance calculation. Remember, 
Just because you have four seats does not mean you can put four bodies in the airplane, okay? Uh, most airplanes, these Cessnas, once they're topped off with fuel, can only hold close to 500 pounds more. I am a, a, a relatively large person at the moment. I weigh close to 250 pounds. So if me and my uh, self, me and someone else, I can't me and myself, that would be impossible, but if me and someone else like myself were in the airplane, we would probably be a little bit overweight. Is a one pound over the max gross takeoff weight of these airplanes illegal? It most certainly is. Is one pound over the, uh, the maximum ramp weight illegal? It most definitely is. There are regulations that do give you permission to exceed this, but this is not something that we want to look into. Uh, there are regulations that, uh, that actually give special permission to, uh, to bypass these regulations, but that's not what we're looking at. We're looking at an everyday, normal flight, not flight into Alaska. We don't have auxiliary fuel tanks on board that are making us fly for long ranges for ferrying. So let's look past all that. Let's look to the nitty-gritty. You cannot fly this airplane if it's one pound overweight. Remember, you are busting the regulations, you are in violation, and your integrity will be diminished if you constantly let these one pound, two pound, three pound overweights uh, get by the wayside. Weather reports and forecast is another weak spot for pilots. There are four graphical forecast uh, weather reports, and there are four textual weather reports. And I do find every single flight review that pilots are very weak in these areas because they've got used to looking at these programs that um, that they take the uh, the special coding that the FAA writes them in, and it puts them in plain language. And so they're not very familiar with, with the coding of the way the FAA says that you should be familiar with. And so we have to practice this on a regular basis. My suggestion to you is just know how to read it in code and never go back to looking at it in plain language because if you get weak at it, you, it will show. And if you ever try to, you know, to go for your instrument rating or commercial rating or flight instructor, you're going to have to learn it all again anyway. So just learn it. Let it stick with you. And uh, you'll never have a problem in the future. Everybody should be 100% uh, just really straight on with completing a flight log. Uh, flight logs can be completed electronically now online. Uh, but the VFR flight plan, not a hard thing to write up. But the most difficult part is actually getting the VFR pilot to open their flight plan with flight service station when they start their flight. It's, it's almost just ridiculous. I don't know why they go online and do all the flight planning that they do. Uh, that's really kind of worthless if something happens to you and nobody's going to come looking for you uh, for, way, uh, for, for a long period of time. Uh, for way outside of, the, of your proposed time of arrival, uh, if you don't follow a flight plan, nobody's going to come. If you don't, let me rephrase that. If you don't follow a flight plan and open it with flight service station, nobody's going to come looking for you if you crash. Understand that. Um, uh, it, it's just not safe, and you shouldn't be doing it. Now, the pre-flight inspection procedures are another point that I see that's pretty weak. Uh, most of the time, I'll go out there and watch a pre-flight inspection. They'll walk around the airplane one time, check fuel, check oil, and then open the door and say, let's go. And, uh, of course, uh, as they try to taxi off, and there's a slight tug, and I go, well, you're, you know, you said you were ready, but you're, your tail, tail, tail tie-down was still connected, or your chocks were still underneath the wheel. I, I wasn't really sure what was going on, and, of course, I'm not the, 
pilot in command of this flight. So it's very embarrassing for them, but they're, they're just, they just want to go flying. Everybody wants to go flying. It's such an exciting thing. You can't wait to get in the airplane. You're so excited. But you shouldn't sacrifice safety, and you shouldn't sacrifice regulation just because you're excited to go flying, okay? Uh, for people who've waited later in their lives to go flying, remember, you were driving years before you were flying, okay? And uh, there's nothing wrong with just waiting a little while longer while you do a very thorough pre-flight inspection. Um, as we take off to the in-flight review, you at least want to know those uh, maneuvers considered critical for what I call safe flight. For instance, takeoff and landings, and various type of takeoff and landings. You know, review your short and your soft uh, landings and takeoffs. Review your emergency procedures and navigation procedures. Uh, it's almost a pity nowadays how these uh, pilots with these fancy GPSs, uh, they, they really can't find the airport on a local uh, flight unless they get it into their GPS. And it's kind of ridiculous when we're only five miles away from the airport. So make sure that you touch up on your navigation procedures also. Now, based upon in-flight assessment of, of your skills, the instructor may add any maneuver out of the PTS, the practical test standards, for your certificate that you currently hold and provide additional instruction on weak areas based upon a pre-review plan. Uh, now, this may differ uh, to a follow-up flight, um, uh, so you could probably do it the same flight. And uh, we're looking for satisfactory completion on both these, so that way you could you could go ahead and, and understand that you're a safe pilot, the instructor thinks you're a safe pilot, and that um, this sequence should du should uh, duplicate a typical profile. So we want to be able to say, you know, does this something that you would do on a normal basis? Is it contrary to the true scenario that you would be having to do if you were flying? Now, after the review, you want to complete the flight review plan and checklist that we talked about earlier, the one that you're going to do with your instructor. And the pilot needs to be debriefed very thoroughly, uh, I think, and uh, to make sure that the, he knows exactly, he or she knows exactly what they did right, what they did wrong, what they think they need improving on, and how they can improve by using many, many different types of, of, uh, of uh, online uh, skills uh, that we have, like ASF.org or the FA's website has numerous training uh, uh, platforms on there, and provide an analysis of performance, including the suggestions of improved or weak areas. Now, remember that in order for you to get a satisfactory review, your logbook must be completed by an instructor. It's not just a flight line as you would see inside. You know, you put, uh, I flew on, on July 30th, and then we flew this airplane. That's not it. It needs to go into the back of the logbook, or maybe if he can actually put the endorsement in the flight line if you need to, uh, but it, it's going to be kind of lengthy, so I would actually put them in the back of the logbook, and it could be a sticker, it could be handwritten, as long as it has all the appropriate uh, sign-off procedures that are located in Advisory Circular 6165. That's one that you should take a look at if you're not a flight instructor, or if you are a flight instructor listen to this, you, maybe you should get one out and uh, review it yourself. This is the advisory circular that tells you how to write endorsements for everything. Now, let's say, for instance, that you go out there today and you don't do too well. You are unsatisfactory on your flight review. Your instructor should not endorse your logbook, okay? And should not endorse it as a flight review. It just means that you need a little bit more help, okay? 
you can sign it off as dual instruction. That's no problem. But basically what the, what the instructor should do is just recommend more dual time to you just to say, look, you know, uh, I feel that uh, I, I, I know you did really good in all these parts, but these particular parts, before I feel comfortable with you, I'd like to go up and do just a little bit more training. And uh, for flight instructors listening, if the pilot agrees with you, then, you know, that's great. But pilots, if you think you did good and you're really confident that you did good and you think the instructor is trying to give you a hard time, you may, you may continue to fly now up until the point your 24 months has expired. And if you feel that you've been treated unfair, by all means, request a review from another instructor. Just remember, you're going to have to do everything you just did probably on that flight review on your next one with the other flight instructor. So make sure that um, if, you, if you do marginal on your flight review, remember it's in your best interest to request additional training, okay? It's in your best interest to request additional training. The flight review to one is done once every 24 calendar months. If you get your instrument rating within that month, you don't have to take a flight review. If you get your commercial certificate, you don't have to do it. Uh, some some false sayings about the flight review, a complex endorsement, a high-performance endorsement, a um, high-altitude endorsement, none of these constitute for a, a flight review. So please make sure that you understand 6156 and understand exactly what you have to have to do that flight review. I would befriend a flight instructor and uh, get them to know exactly what you want from your flight review, get to know what they want from your flight review, and go from there. I've enjoyed talking with you today about the flight review. I'm hoping that uh, you will come in and do your flight reviews with me or one of the other fine flight instructors here at Skyline Columbus. We look forward to flying with each and every one of our podcast listeners. We look forward to uh, chatting with you next time and look forward to you listening to us. Again, my name is Todd Shelnut with Skyline Columbus and... Fair skies. Take care.